0: When it comes to investing in innovation, trust the experts. RoboGlobal provides laser-focused investment portfolios that deliver access to robotics, AI, and healthcare innovation globally. The H-Tech portfolio captures the technologies transforming the medical space, providing unique exposure to best-in-class companies. Investors, turn to this diversified approach backed by research from the experts. Learn more today at RoboGlobal.com HTEC.
1: clearance. Welcome everyone to episode 145 of the NBA podcast. I'm Brian Teporek and today well we got to talk about two game sevens. Mort, you got your wish. So before we get underway Mm -hmm. we're gonna remind you that you can always follow us on Twitter at the NBA pod. In our bio you can find our Twitter handle so give us a follow as well. You can also find us on iTunes so please subscribe, download, leave some five-star reviews. Uh, We'd love any feedback. And we're also being hosted now on the Almighty Baller Podcast Network, so please check them out on Twitter at Almighty Casts. Joining me today, as always, is my very stable genius of a co-host, Morton Jensen. How's it going, Mort? Brian, there is a four, no, two-point
2: difference between what Cleveland and Boston has scored individually in this series.
1: Really? Two-point difference. Wow, that's a fun fact. So I'm...
2: Yes it is. So I'm doing very well because I'm excited as shit, right? <laughs> yeah.
0: So Get to Old Navy for the biggest sale of the year. Up to 60% off all back to school styles for kids and baby. Get flip-flops for 2 bucks, graphic tees for 4 bucks, shorts for $6 and jeans for $8. Right now, get the best kids styles at kid-size prices, just 2, 4, 6 and $8. Can't wait to wear it? Buy online and pick up in-store free today. Up to 60% off all kids and baby styles now at Old Navy and OldNavy.com. valid 729 to 811 select styles
1: excludes in-store clearance we're obviously going to preview both game 7 of Cavs Celtics which is Sunday night and uh, Warriors Rockets which is Monday wait first of all I got to give you a shout out cuz when we were doing our conference finals predictions you didn't give one for Warriors Rockets you just said mm-hmm. I hope we get a game 7 so we got it now I'm going to yeah. actually force you to make a prediction for that game but we'll we'll start with Cavs Celtics but before we do quick review More we both saw Solo this weekend what'd you think
2: I thought it was nice I mean it was it was surprisingly good I, I had
1: a few issues with it. it
2: wasn't the perfect movie but it was fine I don't understand like all the hate that it's gotten like it seems like when you read reviews from it like it's it's all negative, like nothing was good, and I heavily disagree with that. It was entertaining, it was lighthearted, and it was very solo. Like, I mean, what I don't even remember what his name is, Aldrin yeah, Aaron Aldrin, Aaron right. Rich? Yeah, I don't know. Something like that? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, he just encapsulated solo. Yeah. Like, he just he did a wonderful job. Yeah. Uh, he made the character his own while also really playing to the strengths of Harrison Ford, both in his accent and in his mannerisms. Mm -hmm. I liked it. I I really think that people should go see it. And now more than ever, like, reviews, especially for movies, don't really matter. It's all so heavily subjective. So go watch Solo. You'll enjoy it.
1: Yeah, I'm right with you. I I went in with such low expectations because, like, you know, it's got a 71% of Rotten Tomatoes. But you're right. Like, these movies... I mean, Deadpool only has 82%, and I thought Deadpool... I enjoyed Deadpool 2 more than Deadpool 1, and I love Deadpool 1. Like, mm. you know, Solo, I was, I was saying this to my wife when we got out of the theater yesterday. I don't know that I would put it above anything aside from the three prequels in terms of the Star Wars universe, but that's not right. an indictment of how much I enjoyed Solo. I thought Solo was great, but I also no. think, like, the original trilogy... And Last Jedi, Force Awakens, and Rogue One are also excellent. Like I just really enjoy all of those movies. So the bar is just set so high that you know, I, just because I wouldn't put Solo above Last Jedi or above Force Awakens doesn't mean it's not a great movie that you should go not go see. Like it's right. it. I mean, God, if if the prequels were as good as Solo was, I don't think we would look back on those prequels. Uh, so unfondly and wish they never happened.
2: I agreed. No, I, I definitely agree. I mean, this this if this had been a prequel, like made in the 90s, like if George Lucas had made this particular
1: movie, I
2: would have loved it.
1: Yeah. Absolutely.
2: Yeah. yeah. I no, guess I agree.
1: in terms of prequel content, because you've got the three prequels plus Rogue One and this, it's the second best prequel of the Star Wars universe.
2: Mm-hmm. I also think there's a tendency... It, with whenever Woody Harrelson is involved in a project, I think every movie kind of takes a step up. Mm-hmm. Like he was in the Planet of the Apes franchise in the third one as well, mm-hmm. and the the whole movie just felt a lot better because he's so intense as an actor. Like he can he can do everything, but whatever he like, even if he's funny, like he's intense at being funny. Like that then that carries through or if he's evil or if he's just a miserable asshole whatever like, <laughs> right. everything he does he does with so, some sort of purpose that just carries over mm-hmm. um, I, I think he's one of the most underrated actors we've had over the past 20 years really. I agree and, yeah. and so many people are just like oh it's Woody Harrelson ha 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 like him again Well, yeah, him again, because he's brilliant. Stop complaining. (laughs) Right, He was was wonderful.
1: Yeah, he's really good in that movie. I mean, Donald Glover is obviously fantastic. Amelia Clarke, also known as Daenerys Mm -hmm. Targaryen. Really, really good. Even Paul Bettany, which I didn't expect at all. Like, he was fine. Yeah. Yeah. No,
2: it's a good cast. It's a good cast, and they all deliver. And really, I mean, the setting is gorgeous. The movie is very well made. Yeah. Like, you don't feel, you know... When you leave the theater, you don't go, oh, the CGI was horrible. or Right. Like, like, it, it was done very, very well.
1: Right, right. So, yeah, there is our five-minute review of Solo. TLDR version, go see it. You will not be disappointed. Speaking of not being disappointed, Mort, we got game seven of Cavs yeah, Celtics we, tonight. We got game sevens. Game seven, Yeah, there's multiple game sevens. But tonight, we will be seeing LeBron James' Elimination Game Part 2 uh, in Part <laughs> 1. 46 points, 11 rebounds, nine assists. I think the most obscene part of that is like, we all expected him to have that performance and he still went out and did it. Like, what the hell? How can you expect someone to have a 40 point near triple double? And then <laughs> yeah, he's yeah. just like, all right, yeah. cool. Like you just lived yeah. up to our expectations or our like our ridiculous expectations. It's, it's surreal. I mean, it's, I, I don't want to have a Jordan versus LeBron debate right now. We could have that five years when you know his career is winding down. But like, I just I can't imagine anyone not having him at least as your second best basketball player that's ever played in the right. NBA.
2: That's where I have him right now. I mean, again, and then not going not going into that that thing. Yeah, but I'm also considering just you know, kind of ignoring that part of it. Oh, who's the overall rank? Because mm-hmm. I think certain players had certain responsibilities and it's about how did you live up to that responsibility? How do you, for example, compare like a John Stockton to a Will Chamberlain when their roles were just so different? Yeah. So I think, you know, the the very singular notion of who's better than, than this guy is, is kind of faulty. So maybe even though we're moving towards a positionless NBA, Maybe we should just list that who's the best center of all time, who's the best power forward of all time, who's the best mm. small forward, and so on and so mm-hmm. on. And LeBron, without question, is the greatest small forward of all time. I mean, he's he's put a, a substantial uh, distance between himself and, and Larry Bird, honestly. Yeah. I yeah. think he has. Um, and now we're talking about the greatest of all time. I think statistically speaking, there's no precedence. He's yeah. going to be... Yeah statistically the greatest of all time. Now it, it all comes down to rings and the legacy part and whatever. But you know, LeBron could go uh well, yeah, well let's say he plays another <laughs> ten years because it's LeBron, who knows? Right. He could miss the playoffs for the remaining ten years and he would not lose his current position.
1: Yeah, right. Yeah. It's it's completely unreal. So I mean I'm just again, it's game seven. I'm gonna pencil him in for about forty points, ten rebounds, ten assists, somewhere around there. Yeah,
2: I'm already gonna stop you right there because Uh-oh. we're gonna have to remind people of something, and I just wanted to get your take on this. Before, but you know, he he hurt his
1: leg. He did. Yep. So and yeah. it did
2: not look good, and it seemed like he was running on adrenaline basically for the rest of the game, mm-hmm. having a game, having a day off. Don't you feel that that could be a problem?
1: It's possible. Uh, we won't know obviously until tonight until we see how he's moving because you're right. It, it, I forget who reported, it. I want to say Jason Lloyd of The Athletic, but apologies if I have that wrong. But some Cavs beat reporter said, you know, he was he had kind of a limp as he was walking out of the stadium, um, on Friday night. So we'll see. That said, I mean, it wouldn't shock me if his adrenaline just takes over again. Like, I, I, I don't mm, think it would, we don't know what the extent of the injury is. I mean, you know, when it, when he went down, the first thing you think is like, oh, you know, it's an MCL or something. But it seemed to me like he was grabbing more of his shin than his knee. So if that's the case, maybe it's just like a bad bruise or something and it hurts to like step which is obviously that's kind of essential brian yeah but like you know he had what i think he had 12 points after the injury including those two back-to-back yeah like right you know you're right i mean it's definitely a factor but until we see him like hobbled i'm gonna pencil him in for a 40 point triple double just i I can respect that i just i just want to be cautious
2: about it because and the reason why I'm being cautious is I think it, it would be unfair, like you just talked about expectations, mm-hmm. I think it would be incredibly unfair for all of us to go that route of expecting LeBron to come in and bust for 50, you know, forty mm-hmm. or 50 points mm-hmm. if his leg is indeed like limiting the lift he can get on his jump shot, limiting the speed that he can gain in the open court, like if if that leg is bothering him, like if he's only at 60%, like don't get me wrong, that's a damn good player, but that's not like peak LeBron Right. and then I don't want to see people afterwards going, "Oh, LeBron just had 32. Yeah. He 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 faded. Like no, <laughs> right. 32 would be on a bad leg. Would be amazing.
1: Yeah, you're just trying to counter any bad Skip Bayless takes right away. Exactly. That's 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 a full time job in and of itself. <laughs> right. I respect it. You're never gonna win, but I respect the battle. Yeah. That's uh, that's, that's unfortunately I true.
2: I have no point in life.
1: And unfortunately for the Cavs, LeBron's injury is not the only one they need to worry about. Kevin Love collided with Jason Tatum's shoulder early in game six, went back to the locker room, never came back out, which seemed to imply a concussion. Um, He then, you know, didn't meet with reporters after the game. The next day, the Cavs reported he has or he is experiencing concussion like symptoms. He is ruled out for game seven. So, you know, more Oh, he should
2: take an anvil. <laughs>
1: yeah. All right, Doug Gottlieb, yeah. <laughs> no, it's not just no, I'm I'm actually
2: referring to Shaq and, oh, and, and Chuck. I, I... And I know you can't comment on this <laughs> and it's <Nope. that's> fine. <laughs> so, you'll just sit this one out, but I am so tired of those two morons on TV. Like, listen, they are downplaying a a concussion.
1: Mm-hmm. Like
2: we've seen what concussions can do to NFL players that same thing can happen to nba players like what is this the third concussion of kevin love Like, yeah. keep in mind yeah. you can't isolate concussions right that's the thing if they add up that that can prove to be really really problematic down the line as you age yeah that's dangerous a concussion dangerous and you have those two idiots on national tv completely downplaying the significance of a concussion. Basically calling Kevin Love soft for not playing. Like, I can call Kevin Love soft for some parts of his game when he's on the court. Like, Mm -hmm. I think that's fair. But calling him soft when you have a concussion and not playing, that's just dumb. That's downright dumb. And those two guys should just shut the hell up. Because it's completely fair to miss a game if you have a concussion. No one outside of Shaq and Charles Barkley and some idiots out there who don't really know what's going on. Will you know? Complain afterwards. Will criticize love. But the fact of the matter is, no one, absolutely no one, should point their finger at Kevin after Game Seven.
1: Yeah, I I think the people who are criticizing him for being ruled out, one, if he had a choice, he would play. I mean, right? You know, it's not like I think if if it was twenty years ago and understanding of concussions aren't where they were now and doctors weren't screening for it as closely, he would just hide his symptoms and play. So like Thank from, you, Will Smith. So from like Shaq and Chuck's perspective, maybe that's you know, that's what they're like relating from is like, oh well like back at our time we just didn't know what this was. So if we had a headache and like we had light sensitivity, we just didn't tell anyone. We played. That's not good. Yeah. It's actually very bad. I mean it doesn't yeah. bode well for your You know your long term uh, chances of not having degenerative brain damage, but sure, like that's it's just a different era. Like the doctors are the ones that ruled Kevin Love out. Kevin Love, you know, you you see him go down; he had no choice. They were going to screen him for a concussion, and the doctors have final say at that point. So this is not Kevin Love's fault at all. Also, if you come back from a concussion too soon, you risk second impact syndrome, which can be fatal. So it's like. Really, I mean, this is. I, no one should be. You're right. No one should be blaming Kevin Love for this. All of that said, I don't want to use this phrasing uh, because I saw ESPN Stats and Info use it, and uh, they caught heat for it as well. They should, but they, so I'm gonna I'm gonna use it from them and then you yeah. know, tweak it a little bit. But they actually, you know, they had a tweet uh, about you know Kevin Love's gonna miss Game Seven this actually might be a blessing in disguise for the Cavaliers. And, you know, again, I don't want to say it's a blessing because given, especially right. given Kevin Love's history with concussions, no one should wish that upon him. That's, you know, like prayers up that he's fine, first and foremost. Um, but that said, I do think there's a silver lining to some extent. Mm-hmm. Like the Cavs are going to miss him as a scorer, obviously. He's their second leading scorer. He's their leading rebounder. That said, he's also a defensive, you know the, the the Celtics have been going after him defensively. They have been doing right. everything they can, especially anytime Horford is on him one on one. Like that's a green light for Horford to just back him down, and that more often than not results in a bucket. Uh, Tyron Lue has already announced that Jeff Green will be in the starting lineup for game seven. That means Larry Nance Jr. Is going to get more run off the bench because he's basically their only other big other than Tristan Thompson. I don't think they're going to dust off Ante Zizic. So no, no. Larry Nance Jr. I wrote about him for Bball Breakdown today. He's been like sneaky really good in this series. He has the best Mm -hmm. plus minus of any Cavalier. He has the best net rating of any Cavalier who's played at least 25 minutes in this series. Every time, you know, Boston in game six, they were up 25-20 at the end of the first quarter. Larry Nance Jr. comes in, and they go from down five to up nine by the time he checks out with three and a half minutes left in the second. He goes back in in the fourth quarter, comes up with two offensive rebounds that lead to buckets right away. The the Celtics cut it to eight. He gets a rebound. Uh, It led to a Jordan Clarkson. uh, Yeah, he passed out Jordan Clarkson. Jordan Clarkson gets a bucket. Jalen Brown goes down again next possession, cuts it to eight again. Larry Nance comes back, next possession, another offensive rebound, uh, jams it home. Uh, Later in the quarter, again, another offensive rebound, puts the lead back up to nine. Like, every time the Cavaliers were in danger of, you know, letting the Celtics go on a run, it seemed like Larry Nance just came up with big play after big play. Uh, He had a big steal in the second quarter, that led to a transition run out that, you know, it capped off a 13-4 run for the, uh, for the Cavaliers. So it seems like, you know, again, I don't want to say blessing in disguise, but more minutes for Larry Nance is a good thing for the Cavs, in my opinion. What Do you, th- do you think, how much do you think they're going to miss Love tonight, Mort?
2: I think you're right about, or ESPN in this case is right, even though they phrased it poorly, mm-hmm. that you have more flexibility on the wing with Jeff Green. Whereas Kevin Love is more of a standstill type of guy, mm-hmm. who he, he isn't that switchable. Mm-hmm. Um, just to get back to real quick to, to your um, point about Larry Nance,
1: mm-hmm.
2: he has a combined 14 blocks and steals this series. Only one other Cavs player, LeBron James, has that number. Both of them have eight steals and six blocks on the series. LeBron has played 240 minutes. Nance 85. Yeah. So the product the. The level level of productivity that was hard to say <laughs> is just so outstanding yeah. for Nance right now, and you just have to wonder if he is long term wise, you know, he if he's going to be their starter. I wouldn't be surprised at all from next year on and onwards. Nance is like a full time center yeah. for the Cavs. I mean, he just seems to be more productive than Tristan Thompson. And don't get me wrong, Tr- Thompson does have his values. Mm-hmm. Like he's he switches pretty great. He can defend in space. He's very good at defending the rim, even though he's not a shot blocker. Um, but it just seems you get more with Nance. You get more. You you, you get a higher level of activity. Mm-hmm. You get more stats. You get more of an impact. And you get a guy who's just moving yeah. all the time, yeah. which for a center is in particular very big. Yeah. And I wouldn't be surprised to see him get an extended run. This, tonight, it's tonight. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, like 25 30 minutes
1: maybe I, why not i hope he does like he i think he played i want to say it was somewhere around 21 22 in game six which is the most he had played in this series like games one and two combined he played 15 minutes and then game right. three he made an immediate impact i tweeted like how did larry nance only play 15 minutes in those first two games like that was coaching malpractice for Lu and the, oh, yeah. you know we talked about it earlier uh, in, in previous episodes, it seems like he was feeling out his rotation still, like because of the trade deadline shakeup, like he just didn't know which guys to run with. I expect tonight he's going to run with an eight man rotation. It's going to be LeBron, George Hill, JR Smith, Tristan Thompson, and Jeff Green in the starting lineup. It'll be Kyle Corver, Larry Nance, Jordan Clarkson off the bench. You know, maybe foul trouble makes him dust off Rodney Hood, but otherwise it seems like mm-hmm. he's realized Hood is just. <laughs> it's not going to happen for Rodney Hood in this series.
2: Oh, no, no. Maybe we yeah. see a
1: little Chetty Osmond, but I I think, again, he's... He Mid-level
2: would... exception Rodney Hood.
1: Yeah, if that. Yeah. If that. If that. But, if that. but yeah, yeah for, for the Nance stuff, I mean, like, defensively, not only is he not a target, but they're able to switch much better with him on the floor than they can with Kevin Love, just because mm-hmm. he's such a, you know, he's more mobile... brings more of that energy off the bench. Um, And then offensively, too, I think there is a, again, like a small silver lining to Kevin Love being out. Like, yes, he is their second leading scorer, but this series he's only shooting 37.5% overall, 26.9% from three-point range. So it's not like he was, you know, producing at a high enough level to merit the number of field goal attempts he's been getting. I mean, he was number two by far. Uh, yeah. In terms of shots per game, also like I think there's a psychological effect. So like when you know you know LeBron James is going to take thirty plus shots tonight, and you know everything starts and ends with him. But for the rest of that supporting cast, who's played very poorly on the road throughout this entire series, you know that Kevin Love is normally the second banana, but he's out. So now you know you're George Hill, you're Jeff Green, you're Larry Nance, you're Kyle Korver. You know you need to produce more to make up for mm. Love's absence. Like it's not just like one guy is going to come in. Jeff Green's not going to come in most likely and put up twenty points and ten rebounds. You know you need like a few well, extra. Now you points. said it. <laughs> I mean, oh my god, nothing would make me happier if Jeff Green is the difference maker in this game. But, <laughs> uh, but you know, what I mean, like it, you need a couple extra points from Jeff Green, from Kyle Kuzma, from George Hill. Like, George Hill needs to be the second-best player on the Cavs tonight. Yeah. And he was in Game 6. I mean, it's not unreasonable to think he could do that again. Larry Nance might have been their third-best player in Game 6, and I think he needs to bring that same type of energy tonight. But, like, all of that said, I, I, I think Love's absence will hurt in some respects. I think they're going to miss him rebounding. I think if Brad Stevens turns to his double big lineup with Horford and Baines, that's really going to hurt. But I want to then flip the tables more. You know, now Brad Stevens has a decision to make because he put Aaron Baines in the starting lineup for games five and six to counter the Love-Tristan Thompson look. Now that Love is out, does he go back to Marcus Morris in the starting lineup? I I probably would.
2: More flexibility? A guy who's easier to switch defensively? Mm -hmm. Yeah, why not? I mean, right now, it's going to be a chess match. Yeah. So, him not responding would be weird. Yeah. yeah. I, I think it makes a lot of sense with, with, yeah, I was about to call him Keith, but that's his brother, <laughs> with Marcus um, in there. Marcus can play, like, in a pinch, he can play three positions. Yeah. The Three, the four, and a five. Mm-hmm. And he can switch, and he can even on occasion, like, go out and guard George Hill effectively. Mm-hmm. So I would I would probably start out with that uh, that flexibility in the hopes of that giving me a run to start off the game. Because a run early at home, that could be the difference maker. So yeah, yeah. I, I definitely expect Brad to do something. Yeah. That's for sure. And and also, can we just get it out of the way? He should totally Willis Reed Gordon Hayward <laughs> at
1: this point. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. Yeah, until Gordon Hayward, like, refractures his ankle and is out for the no, entire... No, no,
2: doesn't ba- <laughs> Like, just the first possession, like, he just... Here, here's what you do, okay? Just imagine the setting. He doesn't start. It's supposed to be a surprise. Like, he, okay. he, everyone in the media ever, who's asked, he's like, no, 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 Gordon's out. Sure. Yada, 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 right? Sure, sure. And then you inactivate so you know, you, you make some of the guys inactive, whatever, and you kind of force him on the active list, and you kind of hide it from the media as well as you can. I don't think that would succeed, but no. Who knows? <laughs> and then you you have him like with a towel over his head or someone so, so people think it's like I don't know semi ogele or something <laughs> sitting on the bench. And then you just at two minutes of the game, you you call like no, not no, you don't call a timeout because right. that would take too long. You wait for a three-throw. And then you check Gordon into the game and just let the Boston crowd take it from there. Just, but then for he has the to play. <laughs> Like, what do you
1: two, t- proce- two possessions. Then you take an intentional foul like two okay. possessions okay. later. Yeah, I was going to say, as long as you're not like wasting a timeout, that's fine.
2: That's the, I, I don't want to waste time. Just yeah. one intentional foul, whatever, just to get that bump up. And then do whatever you can to like to get him an open three. And if he knocks <laughs> it down, Willis Reed moment, I mean, that's just true. go for it. I, I, we need some more of those, uh, those moments. No, but, but going back to, to the series, I, you mentioned that Love was the second leading scorer and the second leading shot taker for Cleveland. I would like for you right now to look up who's number three, and I would like to, I would like to oh, you no. to read his efficiency. Oh
1: no! Oh boy! Right. Yeah, I mean, J.R. Smith has been bad. Bro. He's been atrocious. I mean, he his first shot in Game Six went off the side of the backboard. It's it's so bad.
2: He's shooting twenty three point nine percent from the field. Yeah, He's it's taken him forty six shots to score thirty one points, and he's playing thirty minutes a game. Yeah, at this point, if I'm Ty Lu, I actually consider starting Clarkson over J.R. Smith.
1: Why not Corver?
2: Because I think you need that off the bench.
1: Mm. Uh, I think he's gonna keep. He's gonna stick with Jr. Just because, like. Now it's just a one-game, you know, it's winner-take-all. So, like, if Jr. snaps out of his slump tonight, like, you know, I don't think there's a high probability of that given how poorly he's played, not only in the series, but especially on the road. But you can't, right. you know, he, he seems like a guy who, if you bench him now, his confidence is just going to go right into the shitter, and you can't risk that in Game 7. But I'm with you. His minutes should be... Limited if, if he's giving nothing offensively, and he, yeah. you know he's not a huge positive defensively. Yeah, he's got a Tyler's got to have a quick hook with for either Corver or I mean right. Clarkson hasn't exactly been a paragon of efficiency either. Oh, he's, he's been abysmal. Yeah. he's been abysmal. Yeah. But he's been better than yeah. Smith.
2: And my point, is, like you're right, because Jr. is that weird player who can come out and start five for five right. from downtown even. So. <laughs> yeah, like. If he comes out tonight and he starts by knocking down a three, like, fine. You keep him in and see what you get. Mm-hmm. But I, if you are going to point, if Cleveland is going to lose this series, like, and people point to Kevin Love and not J.R. Smith, that's mm-hmm. just wrong. Like, he's a major component to this.
1: Yeah. Yeah. All right, Mort. Prediction time. Who do you go in Game 7? Boston at home where they are 10-0. and 0 or LeBron James in an elimination game.
2: Yeah, that's that's not easy. I know. And, and you're not letting, you're not letting me go with a cop out right um, now.
1: Well, there's only one game, so <laughs> I I'll say I'm having a tougher time predicting this series than I am Warriors Rockets. Yeah, me too.
2: Um Well, I I think tonight it comes down to coaching. And because I think it comes down to coaching, I gotta go with Brad Stevens. Mm-hmm. Um, I will say this though: I wouldn't be at all surprised, yeah, if Cleveland takes it. Yep, like at all. Yep, um, and I wouldn't be surprised if Boston took it. I mean, whatever the result, it's it's not going to be, oh, I didn't expect it. <laughs> right, uh, right. So I'm going to go with Boston because of the home court and because of Brad Stevens just knowing how to to play chess with everyone mm-hmm. against anybody. But, I mean, if it comes down to, to Stevens having to play chess with LeBron as opposed to Ty Lue, mm-hmm. then it becomes a game.
1: Yeah. I think the only outcome that would surprise me is a Cleveland blowout. Just yeah, because, I agree with that. because Boston has played so much better at home than on the road. Mm. It's like it's just hard to ignore these splits at a certain point. And like yeah. I don't know psychologically, like maybe they just really feed off of that home crowd. You know, JJ Reddick was on the Bill Simmons podcast, I think, last week, and he said like that Boston crowd was the craziest he's ever been at. And he's you know, he's seen some pretty wild environments throughout his basketball career. Um, oh yeah, Duke guy. Yeah, right. So, you know, maybe it's just like Marcus Smart and Marcus Morris need that kind of, you know, affection every time they take a three pointer. Actually, hit it. Um, I'm with you though. It's like it's so damn hard to bet against LeBron James in an elimination game. But if you're picking Boston, you're not necessarily like again. I I'm, I'm said at the top of the segment that. I expect a monster performance from LeBron. The question is who in his supporting cast actually plays well. Right. And Like,
2: this would not be fall on LeBron. No, like, at no, no, no. If no. they lose. Yeah, <laughs> like, he took
1: an absolute trash can of a roster to Game 7 of the Eastern Conference Finals. Yeah. This yeah. is not an indictment of LeBron James. Oh, I'm going to go with Boston as well, but I don't feel good about it. And I actually... Yeah. My like my gut says Cleveland and my head says Boston because I really think this Nance thing could be like it could yeah. be the X factor that swings this this game, but yeah. just given how well the bosses role players play at home, I think they're gonna have just enough to squeak this one out but you're right I neither outcome would surprise me I just hope we get a good game I'm expecting that yeah. one
2: that's that's what I'm rooting for as well and I can totally identify. It. It's sort of like the feelings go, oh, this is LeBron, because you kind of know. Because feelings makes you go to that place you know, which is, oh, LeBron's going to conquer. Like, LeBron's going to win this. But you just have to think logically as well. And logically speaking right now, Boston should be in the driver's seat. Uh, God, this is difficult. This is very difficult. And regardless, like, we could easily be wrong in the morning. We'd be like, well... (laughs) We messed up. Congratulations to LeBron, who's going to the finals for what the 16,000 straight time? Yeah,
1: yeah, yep. I'm with you. All right, more let's turn our attention now to the Western Conference finals. Uh, we got Warriors Rockets game seven. And it, it, at first, it looked like we weren't going to get a game seven. I mean, the Rockets were up 17 points in the first quarter, 10 at halftime. Then, third quarter Warriors happened. Clay Thompson goes nuclear. The Warriors but wait, wait! It.
2: I'm gonna interrupt you. You gotta tell me about that because here's the thing: <laughs> the game for me starts at 3 a.m. Okay. Sure. So at halftime, with Houston up 10, I was sitting there watching some boring ass halftime show. Yep. And suddenly, I opened my eyes, and it was very, very late in the fourth quarter.
1: Yep. Because <laughs> that's what
2: happens. <laughs> yep. I, I so I went to sleep with the Rockets up 10, and I mm-hmm. woke up with the Warriors up damn near 30. So <laughs> you need to tell me, Brian, what the hell happened that I missed because it was late. China
1: clay happened. That's the best way I can put it. <laughs> or really, game six elimination clay happened. It was, I mean, nice. you know, a reporter or multiple reporters made that illusion in the post game press conferences. Uh, To his game six in OKC a couple years ago, and one of them asked, you know, Steph and KD were on the podium together. One of them started to ask that question, and KD just hung his head. He's like, "Don't go there, like, please don't go there." (laughs) And then Steph deflected. He's like, "You know what? I think both of us just tried to block 2016 out of our minds." So next question, but (laughs) yeah, I mean, it was, it was really, it was Clay Thompson. Like they, they, you know, they were down ten and a half. They open the third quarter on an eight-zero run, and you could just tell, like, you know, the War- the Oracle crowd was out of it in that first half. Like, they were nervous. Yeah, they and, were. Yeah. Uh, that, that opening salvo in the third quarter got them right back in it. And the Rockets, to their credit, you know, held them off for a little bit in the third. But then, like, once the floodgates opened, man, it was just, it was over. You know, and it... it I hate when we do this with the Warriors when they're up ten and everyone's like, "All right, see you next game." Because the Rockets have proved multiple times in the series that they can come back, but without Chris Paul, they could not. So that's the big storyline going into Game Seven. We've got on the Rocket side, you know, Chris Paul uh, played marvelously in Games Four and Five, but unfortunately suffered a hamstring strain late in Game Five missed Game 6, and is unlikely to play in Game 7, according to He'll his. play. I, I hope so, but... He'll play. I mean, unless they fly him to Germany and give him some of that same medicine that Kobe Bryant used to get. I don't know, man. Hammies are... Not only are hammies tricky, like, even if he does play, like, hypothetically, let's say he plays, he's going to be nowhere near 100%. I don't care. He needs to play. I mean, I know you want your Willis Reed moment, huh. He's going to be more of a liability than he is an asset, I think.
2: I don't, I don't care. I don't want <laughs> our last Willis Reed moment to be Paul Pierce in a goddamn wheelchair. <laughs>
1: That's reasonable. That's reasonable. But, I, I mean, I think he's going to do everything in his power to play. I think it is killing him that he cannot play in this game. Yeah. But, again, like, if he's if he's limited in terms of his mobility... I mean the Warriors are going to test him. If he plays, the Warriors are going to put him into the grinder right away and see mm-hmm. you know if if his lateral mobility isn't there, he's going to be a defensive liability. And then yeah. offensively, if that like that's that's going to affect the lift on his jump shot. And that's going to really limit what he can do. I mean, you know, He's still if, the world's best passer. I know, but like in the second half of games 4 and 5, it was him hitting a lot of those big shots. And if he can't do that, like, I I worry that, you know, what he provides on both ends of the court when he's healthy is irreplaceable. If he is injured and he can't hit shots on offense and he's not able to play the defense he usually does, like yeah, he's a great passer and he can he can be the floor general. He can run the offense. He can spare James Harden from dribbling the ball into the ground. All of that's great, but. I just think he's gonna do more damage than he is helping. Just he let plays. me live
2: with the dream, Brian. Okay. <laughs> I need something exciting to happen that is very emotional and something that we'll remember from ten years from now instead of having I don't know, again, Paul Pierce in freshest element in our minds of, of someone yeah. being injured and coming back. That that I need something else. And also I'm I'm just so sad for for C P. Look, this yeah. dude has been criticized Four years. Oh, he couldn't get to the conference finals. Oh, he couldn't do this. He couldn't do that. And now they're this close to the finals and he goes down. Yeah. It's just like, it's a bad movie script is what it is. Yeah, I don't want that movie to play out like that. I want a different ending.
1: I I do too. I'm right with you. I, I'm not like relishing in saying this. Oh, I know. That, I know. You know, that, that CP3 is probably going to miss this game. I just want to set our expectations realistically even if he does play mm. it, i just don't see how he's gonna make a positive enough impact given what i'm yeah. expecting from him like in terms of his health like he's that hamstring strength looked bad like he it did his, his body language immediately like he knew he knew he was not coming back for game six i think he knows he's not coming back for game seven like i all the power to him for trying whatever treatments he can like, it wouldn't surprise me if they take that decision right up until game time tomorrow, but I just, I, you know, based on what we know about hammies, like, it's really tough to overcome that stuff in a two-day stretch, which he had before game six, or even a four-day stretch, which he'd had from game five to game seven. Like, it's going to take longer to recover, so.
2: But, so, you know, we talked about this on the final podcast, or the last podcast, I think, and this is why it bothers me. You and I agreed that for Houston this is basically the year. This is the year that the war or sorry that the Rockets really have because next year you have a presumably a fully healthy Boston team. Yeah. You have a Jordan Bell entering his second season uh, in, in Golden State and you have that group being more cohesive. And in Houston you have Chris Paul aging a year and you still have some dead money in terms of ryan anderson like this mm-hmm. is assuming lebron doesn't go to houston obviously so this is like the one year where houston really has to to win a title and then it all comes crashing down this way it's 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 bitter is yeah. my point in all this
1: no it's it's totally brutal and it, it i mean it, for what chris paul has been through throughout his career for it to Pot, you know, not his career is not over after this, but for this run to end like this sucks. And it, I mean, I, I feel for him. I really do. And yeah, I hope he can defy the medical odds and somehow make it out for game seven. I'm just not expecting him to. So no, more, no. Hy- hypothetically, if he doesn't, do you think the, the Rockets, I mean, they've got a six-man rotation at this point. Are we going to see basically a repeat of Game Six, where they come out with an early haymaker and then just run out of steam in the second half?
2: That, or just a complete ownage from the Warriors, uh, from start to finish. I'm, I'm on Team Dubs in this at this point. Not in terms of rooting for him, but I just don't think there's any way Houston takes this series now.
1: All right, more. Now we got to turn to the Warriors side of things too, because you know, throughout this series, we have seen some very non-Warriors esque basketball. A lot of isolations, um, especially with Kevin Durant. A lot of that's a testament to the Rockets' defense. They're able to switch everything. They are actively encouraging this type of isolation possession basketball. They don't want the Warriors to have the ball movement that makes them so dangerous. So. Again, we, we need to ask, what, what are you expecting in Game 7? Because you know, I'd say the second half of Game 6 was one of the first times this series that the Warriors looked like the Warriors. Do you think they can recapture that and bring that into Game 7? Or do you think they go back into that stagnant style of play that we saw in the first half and then you know a lot in Games 4 and 5 as well?
2: I think they can recapture it because they don't. They are not up against a Chris Paul who's a disruptive, disruptive defensive point guard. Um, it's basically the Warriors on masse going up against a six-man rotation in Houston, uh, which isn't fantastic defensively by any stretch of the imagination. So I think it comes down to cohesiveness from Golden State just being on the same page. At times, you just felt like the Dubs had to get some sort of offensive reduction, and that meant ISO ball. Like It felt like a necessary evil. Mm-hmm. Now, in Game 7, with no Paul and, and uh, with a very short rotation going up against those guys, I think they have every opportunity to recapture the ball movement, the cutting. And with Clay looking like an NBA player again, because he mm-hmm. didn't for a couple of, couple of games you know that's that's just so huge. We talked about this. I presented some stats as well on the on the last podcast.
1: Mm-hmm. Like
2: Clay playing at a high level is just alpha omega for him. It's so yeah. essential for their success. Him finding the corners, him stretching the defense. He allows that type of ball movement on the weak sides and even on the strong sides because he even if if the ball is like Two feet away from him being helped by someone else, like no one dares go off of Clay. Like no one helps off of Clay. They right. just know that's, yep, that's bound to fail. So he's just such an important and essential tool farm. And with him going off like he did in game six, I think the Rockets are just so keyed in on, hey, just don't let Clay get open. Mm-hmm. And that is just going to mean so many opportunities for two man games between Steph and KD. And with Draymond being, you know, the pseudo point guard of it all, so I, I would fully expect the Warriors to come out and just play their
1: game. Yeah, yeah, I'm with you. I mean, the the Rockets, to Daryl Morey's credit, they were designed to stop this team, and I think his vision proved fruitful. Um, oh yeah. You know, I, I, I Warriors Twitter gives no respect to anyone, but I've seen Warriors Twitter giving respect to the Rockets, like the Rockets. They they deserve it. Like oh, people yeah. people did not give them a chance in this series. Not only Warriors Twitter, but like a lot of NBA analysts like didn't think the Rockets had a realistic chance in this series. And maybe they wouldn't have if Andre Guadalupe was healthy the whole time. But like this team was built to beat the Warriors, and they came damn close to it. I mean, for all we know, they still might. So they, they could.
2: They could. Yeah. I'll I'll go one step further. Remember in the 2010 NBA Finals when Kendrick Perkins. That was Boston LA. Mm-hmm. Kendrick Perkins missed game seven.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
2: I still believe to this day that Boston would have won that game. Yeah. With a healthy Kendrick Perkins.
1: I agree. Wasn't that and Kobe's I'll... six of twenty four game?
2: Yes, it was, where uh... he, he grabbed fifteen boards or something like that. And yeah. It was like he contributed in, in different areas. But yeah, right. like that right. I think the Rockets fully healthy I mean with with a fully healthy C P three.
1: Mm-hmm
2: would have gone to the finals i yeah, don't it, think the warriors would have won game six to the same extent that they did at least mm-hmm. and i think that the houston rockets would have won game seven if cp had been you know a hundred percent
1: yeah i think if if Iggy had been out And CP had been healthy. I think the Rockets would have won Game Seven as well. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. I think if if both sides were healthy the whole time, I think the Warriors still would have won the series, and I think it probably would have happened in six. But I think he, you know, I know it's like ridiculous to say he's such a vital part for a team with four All Stars, but he is. And like it came down, you know, Games Four and Five really came down to late game execution. The Warriors made a bunch of dumbass plays and turned the ball over a lot and like i think iggy would have calmed them down there so i think they probably would have won one of those two games and then routed them in the closeout oracle um Mm -hmm. but that said you're right like this that's why we play these games because we don't know who's going to be healthy or who goes down when like a fluke injury for chris paul at the end of game five swung the series most likely which sucks for the rockets but you know it's a testament to them i i they, you know, it's this is not like a Toronto Raptors situation where you can't just run back this core next year and, like, oh yeah, expect to be right back in this position. I mean, I, I think this team has the ability to beat the Golden State Warriors. I think they're the... Un, I was about to say the beneficiaries, but the opposite of beneficiaries. They are the victims of very bad luck at the worst possible time. Yeah. Um But, yeah, I mean, like, Regardless of what happens, hats off to the Rockets. I don't want to hear any James Harden slander. I don't want to hear any more Chris Paul as a playoff choker. Like, those narratives are done. Like, this yep. Rockets team is really effing good, which we've been telling you all year. Like, we, you know, you and I, we gave the Rockets more of a chance than I feel like most people in the media did. And, mm-hmm. you know, unfortunately, we're probably going <laughs> to fall one game short of this, but. Like, this is what we've been saying all season. This Rockets team is legit. A healthy Rockets would beat either team in the East pretty handily. It's yep. just, they're not healthy. So, I think we more we basically spoiled our predictions, but uh, you're taking the Warriors in Game 7, I assume.
2: Yeah, with no Chris Paul there. Yeah. I, I, I feel I have to. I feel it forced my hand. Um, I would have gone Rockets
1: otherwise. Me too. Yeah, me yeah. too. But, yeah, I... I Likewise, have to take the Warriors. I think they were they opened as five and a half points favorites on the road in a game seven, which is outrageous. But that's the Chris Paul effect. I mean, I mm. I would have loved to see what the line was had Chris Paul been healthy.
2: Yeah, no, for sure. Um, man, yeah, you can just sense my disappointment. I think because yeah. I, and it's not really in regards to who won. It's not like I'm sitting here being anti Warriors and going, oh, they're gonna win. No, it has nothing to do with that. It's something to do with we want game sevens to be filled with healthy players. We want both teams to come out at full strength. And you know, we you and I are both disappointed in the two game sevens in the sense that the Rockets and the Warriors, none of those teams are fully healthy. Then you go to the Boston and, and Cleveland, where you're missing, you know, Kevin Love. You're missing Kyrie Irving. You're missing Gordon Hayward. Like. So many injuries this year—it's really yeah. been unfortunate. And for now, uh, you know, at right now in the playoffs, to see more—that's just heartbreaking. That's unfortunate. Yeah. It's really unfortunate.
1: To be fair, Cleveland needed a sacrificial lamb because Boston was so short-handed. So it's only—it's only fair that they <laughs> lost one of their best players too. But no, you're—you're you're totally right. Don't go fully much.
2: ESPN, Brian. Don't yeah.
1: it. <laughs> no, you're 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 totally right. We would obviously like to see full strength both side, both sides in both games, but like with Boston Cleveland, I honestly, I mean, I think the Warriors are going to win. It wouldn't totally floor me if the Rockets won. I mean, if they kept yep. up their hot shooting for the first half of game 6, you know? That's there you go. It doesn't matter how how well the Warriors play and right. fueled by the home crowd. It's, it's totally possible. So again, right. I just hope it's, it's a good game. We
2: shouldn't dig their grave.
1: No, You're right. no, we definitely shouldn't. Yeah. 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 Like, and if
2: James busts for 50,
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean, if we've been not underestimating them this entire season, now is not the time to jump ship with oh, no. one game possibly left in there. Right, season. right.
2: It's just it's just such a blow, especially when you're playing a six-man rotation right now.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that, that's what it comes down to for, I think, both of us. We just we don't know how they're going to be able to sustain that across a full 48 minutes. And Steve Kerr has been referring to this to a war of attrition for, like, the last three games. Like, mm-hmm. he's, he's made it clear what he... Is doing in this series like he knows you know the warriors were not publicly they were not nervous when they went down three two and obviously the chris paul injury i'm sure is a huge part of that like draymond green after game six referred to him as the head of the snake like they knew that's an enormous loss but i think they also knew like james harden missed what like 21 straight three pointers until they finally hit one in game six Oh yeah, something like, along those lines. Yeah. Th- that that's not I mean maybe that's just a slump, but like 21 straight from a guy that good, that's that to me screams dead legs. Yep. Yep. So, that's, hopefully there's
2: just so many the narrative is just so multifaceted at this point that you just can't ignore it. I think overall we, we are going to have to see the rockets just defy every ounce of doubt that we have towards them and that's just such a huge task i mean yeah. you're expecting james to break out of of a pattern he's had throughout the whole series you're expecting every role player to deliver at the same time you're also expecting clint capella to basically score 20 points i mean <laughs> right. you're expecting a lot of things for tomorrow night um yeah. Yeah. Which is going to be interesting.
1: Yeah. So we will have a finals preview Tuesday. We'll also do our Bye Felicia's coming up soon. And we've got um, a lot of other good stuff in the works in the coming weeks. So follow us on Twitter at the NBA pod to keep up with all of our latest episodes. You can also find our Twitter handles in our bio. So give us a follow as well. You can also find us on iTunes. So please subscribe, download, leave some five star views. We'd love any feedback are being hosted now on the Almighty Baller Podcast Network. So check them out on Twitter, at AlmightyCasts. Until next time, I'm Brian Teporek, and I was joined by Morton Jensen. Mort, enjoy these Game 7s. I'll catch you Tuesday. Yeah, thank you, Brian. Uh, I'll see if I can stay up. (laughs) Yeah. Everyone, if Mort can't stay up, if you don't see him tweeting during these games, don't send him a DM, don't mention him, don't ruin these Mm -hmm. games for him. Too many people have done that throughout this postseason. Let this man live in Denmark in peace. Thank you. Yeah, I appreciate <laughs> that. I
2: appreciate that very much. And and I have a, I have a count. Seven playoff games have been
1: spoiled for me. <laughs> Hopefully, you nope. do not add to that tally between now and Tuesday.
2: I I hope not. I'm planning to stay up for the entire final series as well because oh my God. them I have to you know watch live somehow, some way, and then. I'll get divorced Divorced afterwards.
1: Right. Then we can yeah. record a live podcast afterward at, like, what, like 5 in the morning your time? It'll be great.
2: Sure, I'll be drunk off my ass.
1: <laughs> All right, boy, have a good one. You too.
0: Let's say you just bought a house. Bad news is you're one step closer to becoming your parents. You'll proudly mow the lawn. Ask if anybody noticed you mowed the lawn. Tell people to stay off the lawn. Compare it to your neighbor's lawn and complain about having to mow the lawn again. Good news is, it's easy to bundle home and auto through Progressive and save on your car insurance, which, of course, will go right into the lawn. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company affiliates and other insurers. Discount not available in all stager situations.
1: The Starlight Lounge presents An Evening with the Progressive Box.
0: Old moon, yeah.